falling! The sky! The sky is falling! A piece of it just hit me ah! overhead! Ah! A piece of the sky? <laughs> Nonsense! It's just a hunk of wood! <laughs> to the world, maybe Christians sound a little like Chicken Little. We're so focused on the sky that we're of no good to anyone. Here we are sitting with a word that the world needs to hear, and we've got our heads looking at things that we have no business focusing on because we're not in tune with the signs of the times, recognizing that these are the last days. We're not going to get any more last than this. Welcome to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. The signs are all around us, and as Christians, it can be easy to get caught up in them looking for when Christ will return, that we miss the ones right in front of us. And Charles Tapp says we have two choices to make as to what we're going to do. He explains in today's message, skywriting. If you have been keeping up with the news as of late, I'm sure that you have seen that one of the main stories that has been dominating the news, it has not been the economy. It has not been some war in some distant land. It hasn't been the crime rates in our cities across this country. But one of the main stories that has received a lot of coverage as of late has been this thing we call the weather. And if you had to choose one word to describe the weather that has dominated our country from west to east and from north to south, I would probably use a word like bizarre. For almost every day we are hearing reports of of some bizarre weather that hasn't been seen for the last 100 years, but it seems as though this year, the bizarre, the strange, the weird has all come together toward the end of last year and has come over into this brand new year. We have seen unprecedented flooding, extreme droughts, record-setting tornadoes, and unusual blizzards that have hit several states throughout our country. And it's not that we aren't accustomed to things like this. It's not that we aren't accustomed to things like droughts and and floods and snowstorms. But it seems like in the last several months, we've been getting more of these. They've been increasing with intensity as well as in frequency. The places that usually get snow, they're getting snow. But they're getting more snow. And places like the southeastern United States, Florida and other States like that that are usually warm, that we run to, to to hide from the inclement weather, those states are getting increasingly cold, frigid weather. Just a few weeks ago, I was in California at the time. I saw on the news that the city of Atlanta had a snowstorm. Some two to three inches hit that city, and it literally paralyzed the entire city of Atlanta. All traffic came to a screeching halt. Children could not get home because their parents couldn't make it to school to pick them up. So many of them spent all night at school. 
Home Depot got this bright idea to open up their stores and keep them open all night so that individuals could come in their place to take refuge because they could not get home. Thousands of cars were discarded and abandoned and just left by the side of the road. One of my friends put on Facebook that it took him eight hours to get home and he was only 15 minutes from his destination. What in the world is going on? Here in Maryland, I don't know what this place is all about. (laughs) I've been here for years and I still have yet to figure you people out. When the weatherman says it might snow, the government shuts down, schools close. I don't understand you people. The other day, they said it was going to snow and it didn't. They closed schools. Then it did snow and they opened schools. I don't get it. But we discovered there in Atlanta that the real issue that paralyzed, that caused this city to be paralyzed was not really the two to three inches that fell. But what we discovered was that in spite of all the equipment and up-to-date and advanced technology they have to forecast storms, they simply chose to ignore the warnings that it was going to snow. And by the time they got around to realizing that it was going to snow and they got the word out, it was too late and over a million people were stuck on the highway simply because the powers to be ignored the signs. The powers to be ignored the warnings that were right in their face. And when you think about it, that's usually how most of the disasters that eventually overtake us come to fruition because we fail to adhere to the warnings. It's as if we become blind to the signs. Turn with me this morning to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 16. We're going to look at verses 1 to 4, but I just want to spend a little time this morning on verse 1. Matthew chapter 16, looking at verse 1. Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came and testing him, talking about Jesus, that he should show them what? A sign from heaven. Now, on the surface, this would appear to be a very innocent meeting. But when you hear that both the Pharisees and the Sadducees have come together, that gives you a hint that trouble is coming as well. For when you look at the background of these two groups, the best way to describe their relationship is they had a strong contempt for one another. They did not like the other. Better said, they hated one another. And not the word hate is it used by Jesus in Luke 14 when he says, if you want to follow me, you've got to hate your mother, your father. Jesus is talking about loving less. In this instance, they hated one another. They could not stand one another. Their theological views were diametrically opposed one to the other. The Pharisees, they were conservative. They believed in the law. 
they believed in the literal interpretation of Scripture. Well, the Sadducees, they were just the opposite. They spiritualized everything. The Pharisees, they were the common class, the poorer class. The Sadducees, those were the rich people. Those were the folk who belonged to the aristocracy of the day. The Pharisees, they believed in the resurrection. The Sadducees, not only did they not believe in the resurrection, they didn't believe in the spirit. They didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in most things. But one thing they did have in common was they both believed, both groups believed that you were saved by your righteous works. But the biggest thing they had in common although they despised one another, is the fact that they despised Jesus all the more. You see, despite these differences, the enemy of my enemy becomes my friend. Maybe you're familiar with the idiom that says, politics makes for what? Strange bedfellows. It's amazing how politicians can reach across the aisle, even though they can't stand one another and have contempt for one another. But because they both hate you, they will come together against you. <laughs> Politics makes for strange bedfellows. And the Pharisees could not stand the Sadducees and vice versa. But because Jesus was hated by both groups equally, they joined forces. So when it says in Matthew 16, verse 1, that they both came together, that was a miracle in and of itself. And they came for one purpose, the Bible says, to test Jesus, to ask Jesus to produce a sign that he was truly, truly the Messiah, the one that they had been waiting for. And that word testing that is found in Matthew 16. It's a very interesting word because it's the same word if you look over to Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1 where Jesus is in the wilderness being tested or tempted by the enemy. It is the very same word that is used and it has the very same meaning because the motive for the enemy tempting Jesus was the same motive the Pharisees and Sadducees had for tempting Jesus. They wanted to discredit him as being the son of God, to discredit the claims that he was who he said he was. Let me just pause here, dear friends, to say this. There are some people when they read a passage like Matthew chapter 16 that talks about signs that they believe it's wrong to ask God for a sign. But if you read scripture carefully, that's really not the case. Because in Judges chapter 6, we know of Gideon, how he asked God to, to give him a sign that he was going to be the one to defeat the, the Midianites by putting out his fleets. Remember that story? He put out the fleets. He said, God, listen, I'm going to put it out there overnight, make it wet, but make the, gr dry, the ground dry around it, and then I'll know. God did that, and it still wasn't enough. So the next day, he said, I'll put it out again, but this time, make the ground wet, but the fleece dry. And it did that, he did that not because he was trying to test God, but he did that the same reason many of us do it, is because it's not that we lack faith in God, we lack faith in ourselves. You see, Gideon lacked faith in the fact 
that he didn't understand that God could truly use him the way God wanted to use him. So in essence, he was saying, me? God, really? I'm just a little farmer. You want to use me? I've got to be sure. And listen, if more people would put out those kinds of fleeces, less mistakes, less tragedies, less downfalls and pitfalls would be experienced. But instead of trying to be sure, we just jump right in. And then it's too late and we want somebody to throw us a life preserver. Gideon wanted to be sure. Just like Peter wanted to be sure that night when he was out in that boat caught in a storm and they saw Jesus walking on the water and Peter turned to Jesus and said, listen, if you are Jesus, give me a sign. Let me know that that it's you and say, come to me and I'll come. And Jesus said, all right, you want a sign? Come, Peter. And the Bible says Peter stepped out of his boat and began to walk on water. We know he fell. You know, don't 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 put Peter down, but at least he walked on water. Anybody else walked on water here? Oh, okay. let's move on. Listen, it's not the issue of asking for signs. The real issue is, what's your motive? And the motive that the Pharisees and Sadducees had was not a pure motive. They really didn't want to see if this was a Messiah. They believed that he wasn't, and they were simply trying to discredit him. You're listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message... Skywriting. And if you're enjoying this message or you'd like to find others like it, you can find out more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. We'll conclude with the rest of his message right after this. I'm going to take a moment and just recommend that you breathe. Now, there are all kinds of breathing techniques that you can use. One is count to 10, you know, breathing in, count to 10, breathing out, kind of hold it in the middle, you know, breathing in His grace and breathing out His praise. Whatever you choose, breath is really important. And this time of year, you know, you may have a cold or you may have the flu and it's restricting your breathing. So you know just how important that is. God has given you that breath. In Acts, Paul wrote this, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else and so take a moment and take a deep breath and stay encouraged to get more encouraging content go to wgts919.com this is simple truths for life and maybe it's easy to become so heavenly minded that we're of no earthly good And today, Charles Tapp explains there may be signs we're missing right in front of us that will help us reach others in these last days. Well, let's return to the rest of Charles Tapp's message, Skywriting. Here's where the Pharisees and the Sadducees' request for a sign differs. They knew in their hearts that he may have been the Messiah. But still, they were trying to discredit him in the eyes of the people because Jesus became increasingly more popular with the people than they were. And they feared him. One of the reasons you may be receiving some attacks from people on various sides, whether it's in your community, on your job, sometimes people will attack you simply because they fear you. They fear your skills. 
They fear your influence. And instead of applauding you and what you've done, their job in their eyes is to bring you down to their level. They feared Jesus. They feared his influence. And more than that, they feared that his holy life would expose their hypocrisy. So in their minds, the best way to deal with him was to get rid of him. Because they were blind and they didn't really know who he was. Look at verses 2 and 3 of Matthew 16. Matthew 16, verses 2 and verse 3. Jesus says, listen, you hypocrites. In the Greek, that means you pretenders, you actors. You know how to discern the face of the sky. But you cannot discern, listen, the signs of the times. Don't miss this. What Jesus is basically saying here, that when it comes to forecasting the weather, you guys make good weathermen. But when it comes to recognizing the signs related to your expertise of quote-unquote spiritual things, you have failed miserably. You can read the signs of the sky, but you are spiritually illiterate when it comes to reading the things that matter most. Some of you may be familiar with sky writing, where a pilot goes up in a small plane and dispels smoke into the sky and is able to write all kinds of messages and, and put them in the sky. And those of us who stand on the ground can see up below and, and read these messages. That's called sky writing. In other words, Jesus said, said, listen, you can read what's in the sky, but you're missing the message that's right here in front of your face. You want another sign? How many signs do you need? I just fed a couple of days ago over 5,000 men, women, and children with a few fish and loaves of bread. I raised Lazarus from the dead. I brought life back to him. I made the blind to see and the lame to walk. I healed the leper. And you want another sign from heaven? You know, there are some people in this world it's not that they don't understand something. Some people won't accept something simply because they don't want to accept it. Period. Have you ever tried to explain a, a particular spiritual truth to someone and they say, I can't see it. I can't see it. I can't see it. You're right because you don't want to see it. You see, they looked at all of Jesus' miracles as simply being earthly things. So that's why they said, give us a sign from heaven. Give us a sign from God. But what they failed to realize, Elder, the greatest sign from heaven, they already had it in the person of Jesus. He was standing right there. He was saying, you want a sign? Look at me. I am the sign from heaven. I was reading some statistics the other day. It says 7% of those who live in the United States are blind. And over $5 billion is spent each year for vision care in this country. But the greatest vision eye problem we have in the world today is not our physical vision. It's our spiritual vision. And Jesus was saying to these Pharisees, he was saying to these Sadducees, listen, 
I don't need to heal another leper. I don't need to raise another person from the dead. You've got all the signs you need. Get your head out of the clouds and look at me. In essence, Jesus was driving home a point here. He was simply saying, you are more in tune with the things of this world than you are with the things of God. We know the trends of the stock market when it goes up, when it goes down. We know the trends of economy and the trends of education. We know all those trends. We're sensitive to those things. But when it comes to being sensitive to the things that really count, the things of God, we have our heads looking up. And it's not to see Jesus coming. It's the focus on the things of this world. And Jesus says, you want more signs. You don't need any more signs. The problem is you are blind. Is that you can read what's in the sky, but you cannot see the signs of the time. And that word time that Jesus used here is not the word chronos that talks about a specific time, like an hour or a day or a week or a month. But it's the word kairos that simply means you don't recognize the age in which you are currently living. And when I read that this past week, it hit me like a ton of bricks, because isn't that the indictment of the church today? We don't really understand the season in which we are living. We're still asking for more signs of Jesus coming. How many more signs do we need? And here's the challenge of the church today. And I was just reading this past week. The world is ripe. The world is ready for the gospel more than ever before because the world has never needed it more than any time as right now. But the problem is not with the readiness of the world, even though many of them don't recognize the fact that they need it. The problem is with us. We've got our heads up in the sky. And it's not because we're looking for Jesus to come. The world is ready for us to take the gospel. Here we are sitting with a word that the world needs to hear. And we've got our heads looking at things that we have no business focusing on, and the world is being lost because we're not in tune with the signs of the times, recognizing that these are the last days. We're not going to get any more last than this. Go to Matthew 24. I want to read something. 37 to 39. As it was in the days... Of Noah. This is Jesus talking about the last days. As it was in the days of Noah, so will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. Verse 39. And they knew nothing about what happened, what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. Did you get that? They knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it would be at the coming of the Son of Man. What do you mean they knew nothing until the flood came and took them all away? Didn't Noah preach? But here's the problem. They were more in tune with earthly things than spiritual things. And they failed to see the sign and they missed it. 
couple of things have taken place lately that have really brought this home to me. First one was, or is rather, a couple of weeks ago, I just celebrated my 55th birthday. Some, thank you. Some of you are saying, well, you're not old. You're right. I'm not old. Amen. But here's the thing. I have conceivably lived more days than I will live, I have yet to live. In other words, I have fewer days in front of me than I have behind me, Kay. Then a member came to me a couple weeks ago and said, Pastor, you said something in your sermon. I want you to read this book. And the book was titled Scarcity. And I want you to get the, the complete title of this book because I want you to buy it. It's written by an economist and a, psych a psychologist. It's titled Scarcity. Why having too little means so much. And they define scarcity as not having as much as you feel you need. And when you don't have as much as you feel you need, your focus on that thing becomes paramount, does it not? When you don't have as much money as you feel you need, what happens? All you can think about, Pastor, I need more money. But when I look at my life and I realize I have fewer years in front of me, I have less years. Now my focus more than ever is on those remaining years and what I'm going to do with them. Because what I have already lived, Elder, I can't do anything about it. It's gone. All the mistakes, gone. Even the victories, passed. So as the book says, now your focus, you have tunnel vision on the few that you have. And in this case, it's years. And even though this is not a religious book, I said, man, the principles here as it relates to the church and the gospel are paramount. Because guess what? These are the last days. I believe there are fewer days in front of us than behind us. And here's what the church has to decide. We've got to decide what we're going to do with these last days. Are we going to spend our time being in tune with the things of this world, having our heads looking up to the sky, or we're going to be more focused with these last days by saying we need to use everything at our disposal to get the word out that Jesus is coming and he's coming again and he's coming soon. I know, Pastor, they've been saying that for years. Okay, all right. But here's the thing. Are you in tune with the signs? Because if you are spiritually in tune, you recognize we're not going to be here that much longer. And that's a good thing because it means all the aches and pains I now have will be gone. All the hatred and heartache will be gone. But the other thing is, are we ready to see Jesus in peace? So what is the church going to do with the scarcity of days that we have remaining? I'm not talking about the institution. I'm talking about you. And I'm talking about me. What are you going to do with these last days? And for some of us, these last days are going to be truly the last days because some of us are not going to live to even see Jesus return. So what are we going to do? Two options. We can be like the Pharisees and Sadducees and just focus on the earthly things. Or we can spend these days telling people about the signs and what they represent and being ready for Jesus to come.
stop being ashamed of who we are and stand up and share the truth. Share it with the young and share it with the old and share it with everybody in between. Share it in your neighborhoods. Share it on the airwaves. Share it on your jobs. Share it. Because he who shall come will come and he's not going to wait for you. And he's not going to wait for me. Let's get our heads out of the sky. Let's ask God to open our eyes so that we can see that this is it. We need to get ready. You've been listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, Skywriting. And if you want to listen again or share it with someone, you can find these messages on platforms like Apple Podcasts and now also on Spotify or visit us online at simpletruthsforlife.org. Now here's what we're working on for next week. There will always be places of darkness in this world. I get that. I understand that. But I'm expecting you to be children of light. Next week, we hope you can plan to listen in again as Charles Tapp offers a message of hope in the midst of darkness. With his message, hold up the light. Well, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll plan to join us again next week for more Simple Truths for Life. You can put a smile on a child's face this Christmas. Join the WGTS 91.9 Hands and Heart Project and donate a toy to a child in need. Your generous gift brings the joy of Christmas and sends a message of hope to less fortunate kids in the DMV through Toys for Tots. Drop a gift in the virtual toy box or bring one at an upcoming WGTS sticker stop. Find out more at WGTS919.com.